Welcome, everybody. Welcome another episode of Mavs Moneyball Radio. I am your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein. Two very special guests here today. We have Josh Bowe and Kirk Henderson, both of MavsMoneyBall.com. What's going on, guys? How are y'all doing on this fine Sunday afternoon? I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, hoping we can uh, record this while my kid stays asleep. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, you know, it's been a, been a fun day. Excellent. Yeah, I'm doing good. And uh, similar to Kirk, I have two dogs that are laying down right next to me in my office because my wife is not in the house. So let's see if we can make it through with no uh, ambient noise here today. Well, guys, we are here today because four days from now, the Mavericks kick off the 2019-2020 regular season against the Washington Wizards. And I kind of just wanted to do a, a preseason, preseason, preseason prediction pod with you guys. And just kind of see how you guys think the team is going to shape up this year. Um, first thing I wanted to get to is what you think the main strength of this team is. Um, cause I have something in mind. I wanted to see what you guys think first and see if you guys agree with me. Ooh, that's a good one. I'll start first then. Um, for me, it's gotta be scoring, which is kind of interesting because I think their field goal percentages throughout the year are going to waffle. I think they're going to have some truly atrocious shooting performances just due to the makeup of the team. But based on, you know, what we've seen in preseason and what we, you know, what the coaches keep saying, I th- I think there's going to, they're going to score a lot of points and do it in a hurry. Cause that's really going to be their, their best path uh, against most teams night in and night out, because there's not going to be almost any tape on these guys uh, uh, entering the regular season. So that's, I think scoring is going to be, you know, easily their, their biggest strength. Yeah, no, I, that, that was absolutely the, my my thing too. I think they're going to be able to score a lot of points. There's going to be some nights where they shoot like 29% from the field because you do have guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. who love to put up shots in absolutely ridiculous situations. Um, but I think they'll be able to score a lot of points just and just by adding Porzingis, you're adding 20 points to the fray. Yeah, and I think for me, I, you know, I agree obviously with all of that. Um, I think another strength for this team, at least for the long haul of a regular season, will be depth. Uh, I know we all have concerns about who is going to be their third best player or maybe even their fourth or fifth fifth best player. But, you know, the Mavericks undeniably have, you know, eight, maybe eight guys that are NBA quality rotation guys. You know, you can probably maybe go nine or 10 if you want. And I think, you know, due to that and due to Rick Carlisle, uh, they're just going to have an advantage against some teams that might be sleepwalking through a regular season game or some undermanned teams, or if they can stay healthy and they catch up some teams that aren't, aren't doing so well with injuries, you know, they might just be able to pick up some wins just because they just have so many guys that can play, you know, we're going to have to answer some questions about how good some of, some of those guys are, but you know, just the quality from, you know, they've got like eight or nine quality NBA guys that not every team can can really throw out. I mean, like you think about where the Mavericks are right now and like look at a team like the Golden State Warriors and like how many of the bench guys would the Warriors love to have from the Mavs right now. So like they're going to, there are a lot of top heavy teams in the league and in the, if the Mavericks do make the playoffs, it, it obviously isn't going to matter as much, but I think for a long regular season for a team, that's probably going to be resting guys like Chris stops and, and trying to keep him as healthy as possible. I, I just think their, their depth is just going to be really key to them uh, piling up, maybe getting some wins that they shouldn't deserve. And, and if they want to sneak in, uh, they'll need to do that. And Josh, that kind of segues me to my next point of emphasis, and that was going to be the rotations because Rick Carlisle has so many things that he always likes to play with rotations and stuff during the season. And I think especially with a team that really hasn't played much with each other with the additions of Curry 
and Porzingis and Wright and all that. He's going to have a lot of options to, uh, especially to begin the season, he's going to have a lot of options and Powell's going to be out. So that'll complicate things. But who do you think the opening night starting five is and who else do you think has a chance to break through the starting five this, uh, this season? Well, I'm I'm writing about this uh, for for next week or for this week. Uh, Check it out, mapsmoneybell.com. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm very curious. I, I think I, I honestly think with the way the preseason has gone, it would not shock me uh, with Powell being hurt. I think Kleba starting with KP is a no brainer. Uh, but I think Jalen Brunson is going to start. Um, I, I think he should start. Uh, I think the way the Mavericks have played this preseason have shown that they really need to just like Kirk said, focus on offense. I'm not sure how good of a defensive team this team can really be. So they I might as well play as many people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. I was, I was going to say, I don't think they're going to guard many people. And so they're going to have to outscore. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm just looking at these lineups that Rick has tried out with like Dorian Finney Smith and with Justin Jackson as that fifth guy. And I don't mind those players. And I, you know, they Jack Jackson's had a good preseason, but you know, they're both pretty much standstill, you know, sh- catch and shoot kind of guys. I know Jackson has added a little bit to his inside game with a floater, but they're not guys that are that are going to scare defenses with the ball in their hands like someone like a Jalen Brunson or maybe even a Seth Curry would. And I think uh, that last preseason game against the Clippers, uh, they started Brunson and the team just looked so much better. They just moved the ball more. They They had more pace. Uh, there was a play that really stood out to me. The Mavs got a stop, and Brunson got the rebound and one or two dribbles, started a break, threw a bounce pass to Kleba. Kleba finished with a dunk. And I'm just imagining, like, what if that is Jackson or Dorian Finney-Smith grabbing that rebound? That's throw it to Luca, kind of walk the ball up the court and go into your half court, which, okay, that's fine. But I, I think they need some more – I think their their starting lineup needs to be a little bit more dynamic. And I think if they go a traditional route with, you know – right at the the nominal one you know Luca's the real point guard but if they go right Luca Jackson and then two bigs I, I like the size defensively but are they really still going to be a good defensive team with that lineup uh maybe with with Kleba and Przingis but I, I don't know it just it feels like that that fifth starter fifth starter spot really needs to be another guy that can create a little bit uh, I think it just really juices that lineup and I think they're gonna have to outscore teams if they want to make the playoffs who do you have there in your starting five to open the season? So before I answer the question directly, I want to point point out two things. So over the last several years, one of the running jokes on our site and really throughout, you know, Mavs commentariat is how often the three-point guard uh, uh, lineups would be played and then really how often it would work. Then the second thing I wanted to point out was Brad Townsend of Dallas Morning News put out a lengthy piece today uh, referring back to the, quote, flow offense that the Mavericks ran during the 2010-2011 uh, campaign. It's a really good piece. I recommend everybody to check it out. And the reason I'm, I'm referencing it is my starting lineup would have to be pretty simple in that it would be, you know, Luca, KP, Brunson, Wright, and uh, either, you know, um, <sighs> Powell or uh, Maxi. And I think, you know, having three ball handlers on the floor and Doncic Wright and Brunson really helps this lineup because it's, if they're going to be playing an offense where Rick's not calling every play, which, you know, I'll believe that when I see it, I think that's a different story for a different day. 
the option of having three guys who, you know, are good with the ball in their hands is really important. It's not that Jackson and Finney Smith aren't, I mean, like, well, they aren't, let's just be fair. That's not their, that's not their role, but having three guys who can do stuff on the floor and, and make read and react is really, I think important for the, for, for them, you know, leaning on their strength, which is scoring. So that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking in, in the short term, I'm sure it'll probably be, you know, fairly matchup dependent just because uh, you know, I think the last time Rick really played a lot of the same lineups over and over again was probably like 2014, 2015. It's just, they, they do lots of tinkering. So that's, that's just kind of where I'm at right now. I I think the ball handlers and and the flexibility there is going to be key for the Mavericks this year. Uh, what do you think about the idea of DeLon Wright coming off the bench and being kind of a six man? Because that's where he's been most effective throughout his career. Obviously, the Mavs signed him to that contract this offseason, probably to make him a starter. But I think he he could possibly be a more effective player running, uh, leading that second unit. And I think that's something that Rick Carlisle might, Rick Carlisle, uh, might play with this season. Josh, I'll let you take this one first. I have a lengthy diatribe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I think ideally I would like Wright to start because as much as I want them to go all offense, they will need one person in that lineup to at least make sure Luca isn't chasing point guards. You know, they just need some guy that can chase point guards uh, and, and Wright can do that. Um, and I, I, preseason has been disappointing in the sense that Wright just really hasn't been as assertive as you would have think he would be. Uh, so, I, but I wonder if that changes in the regular season. Uh, I wonder, you know, Luca and KP trying to get as many reps as possible for for the real games count is kind of what matters. And I wonder over the course of a regular season, Wright's impact will will maybe matter a little bit more as the season goes on to try to keep Luca fresh, to try to make sure that every possession that Luca's on the floor, he's not grinding, being ground down by the defense, and just having one additional outlet there uh, might help. Uh, and then if you want to say, okay, Brunson instead of Wright, and then you're starting, you know, maybe Jackson or Finney Smith, I think you're right back to that, that spot I was talking about earlier, where if you started Wright and Jackson, you know, I really want, I think I, I would prefer a Wright and a Brunson or a Curry, because I really think the Mavericks need, need that playmaking next to Luca to really sing. Um, that said off the bench, I don't think I would necessarily mind that. Cause like Jeff, like you said, that he's played there his whole uh, career for the most part uh, he's comfortable there he's excelled there uh, I'm not sure uh, how that would go over uh, you know if we want to take it off the just off the court and go you know how would Wright handle that emotionally or mentally uh, you know he came to Dallas to be a starter you know after that trade from from Toronto I think his goal is I want to be a starter in this league and maybe he's ideally better a bench player, but that's not what he came to Dallas for. And I'm not saying Wright would be the kind of guy that caused a stink over this, but naturally just in human nature, there could be some disappointment there and there could be some, some dip in his play or the team's play because of that. Uh, like you look at the team last year, I don't think anyone on the team necessarily hated each other, but it was clear, you know, when Deandre Jordan would stand still and, and not move and not guard the rim, you know, there'd be shoulders shrugging and, and things like that. And I just, Wonder if right starting kind of helps placate that and not uh, not uh, enhance it, um, but we'll see. Uh, I I go with right because I I know I just went all offense. I want to go all offense, but I think they'll need his playmaking and I think they'll need his defense because at the very least the West, Lord knows, there's so many guards in the West and right has to be good uh, for the Mavericks to compete because there are just so many good guards in the West and they don't have really have anyone else to guard those guys. Well, my my answer is actually shorter. I, I I maybe I should have gone first. So 
I like the idea in theory of Wright coming off the bench because of how, you know, the, the strength of the Mavericks team last year was certainly their bench right up until Berea got hurt. But there's the name that I'm actually concerned about to a degree. I don't know if Rick would would let go of of Berea being that guy who comes off the bench to pound the life out of the ball and and run the offense. I, I, I think uh, Wright needs needs the ball a little bit to be effective. Uh, those two triple doubles he got on the on the Mavericks in back to back games last year was That's was exactly really why the Mavericks signed him. Yeah, I mean it's just it was it's like oh he killed us. Let's let's Let sign him. Up. And if that's going to be the case, then maybe they do need to try him out in that role a little bit just to see what they can get out of him in short bursts. Because he's certainly, I mean, he's, he's clearly, you know, like like an NBA caliber starting guy. He he, It's just with the way that they have the team built with Luca and Porzingis, there's only so many shots. And I, I really think, I, I said something to Josh way back when they signed him. I think we're looking at like a stat line most nights for right where he scores like eight points, grabs four rebounds and dishes out three or four assists. Not a lot, but enough to be, you know, to, to, to make a little bit of a difference. And I hear what Josh is saying that if, if he's doing that, that might not be good enough for the Mavericks to win. But I, I don't know. I'm really, I'm really happy with the top heavy nature. Cause I think it allows the Mavericks to have this sort of uh, the, this, this really clear hierarchy in the offense uh, we keep joking about uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s Michael Finley comments because they're just ludicrous on their face. But you know, <laughs> knowing that knowing that there is this established hierarchy with everybody else basically seeing who's going to be the hot guy that night, I think the Mavericks might be able to sustain you know some level of at least early season excellence uh, in order to to you know really pad their win total up until you know the, the, the up until the new year in 2020 when things start to get ugly. Well, coming out coming out of the regular season in the first two games. I think those are must-win games, especially in the Western Conference where every team is basically a good team. You have maybe one or two bad teams in the West. And you're playing you're playing at home against Washington, who's obviously without John Wall. And that's just a team you should be able to beat. And then you're going to New Orleans on Friday, and they don't have Zion Williamson. So I think my number one key, I said this on last week's podcast, my number one key for the Mavericks is for them to just get off to a good start this season. I think that's by far the most important thing. I 100% agree with that. There's just, there's no other real option for them because the last three years, you know, our fans didn't want to hear this, but it, the Mavericks started off each of the last three seasons very badly. When the Mavericks yeah. lost to Phoenix on opening night last year, and then uh, I want to say, I, I remember I was at Disney World and I let my son watch Luca play against Atlanta and they had this amazing first half. And then they, they were up 26. <laughs> that lost the game. Lost the game. <laughs> like that, you just can't lose games like that. And I do think, and, and you know, I largely pin why they lost that game, why they lost some of those early games, is they didn't let Luca run the offense because there was too much of a un, you know, unsure uh, sense of what the offensive hierarchy ought to be. There's a lot of mouths to feed. They don't have that problem anymore. So if they get off to an ugly start this year, it'll be much more indicative of just the fact that the Mavericks aren't super good top to bottom versus last year when they had some better in depth and talent. They just didn't understand that Luca was the best player. And that was the thing that I think bit them as the year went along. Yeah, they can't. They can't drop those games, like Kirk said, to Atlanta and Phoenix early, and especially with the way their schedule is working out. You know, there's so many, you know, what we would expect to be non-playoff teams in their first, you know, 10 or so games. Uh, 
But even, <sighs> even then, I don't think there's, you know, anything you can, uh, I don't know if you can count on anything because we still need to kind of see it. We need to see Kristaps yes, play re- regular season games. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say absolutely. A win, a win is a win, especially with the Mavericks, who you never know what you're going to get one night. Yeah, so, you know, like Kirk said, they can't start, you know, they can't go two and seven again. You know, they can't start off poorly. Uh, we'll need to see this team firing on all cylinders, which kind of stinks. You know, hey, you know, what's the status of Seth Curry? You know, hopefully he will be healthy by, uh, you know, the Wizards game. Uh, it seemed like that knee injury wasn't too serious. And then, you know, Powell being gone is a big deal. You know, I mean, if he misses a week or so of the regular season, you know, I know Kleba is filling in and Kleba is very good. But, you know, that kind of has a trickle down because the next big off the bench with Powell out is Boban. And Boban is very, very niche kind of type player. You know, you just can't play him against every team in this league because he's just so big he can't move sometimes. And Powell's movement really helps juice their offense a little bit. And I noticed that with the starters, with Kleba and Kristaps, and there was a little bit of ball watching, a little bit of stagnation because Kleba, as great as he is, and as much as he's getting better as a pick and roll player, uh, which he really has, uh, he just doesn't, you know, Powell is just in another level in terms of movement off the ball and, and creating by, by screening and things like that. So, you know, it'll be important. And, you know, they won't have their, their top lineup, I don't think, because I think Powell was going to be that starter. Uh, so we'll see. You know, they really need to uh, play well in this first week or so of the season. And you hit on something that I really wanted to talk about. You were you were on this on Twitter a lot in the last few days about how important Powell is to the offense. Just explain why you think he's like he's sort of the glue that kind of holds the offense together. Uh, that might be strong. <laughs> that might be strong. Uh, but I think you know you yeah I have been talking a lot about this, and I think it's just because of Powell's constant movement off the ball. Um, when you look at the starting lineup uh, in the preseason, that's been with Kleba and Perzingis up front, and then you know Wright, you know whoever else, Jackson, uh, Finney Smith, Brunson. You know, there's just a lot of Luca will run an action with KP, and then there's three guys that are kind of two in the corner, one on the wing, and and that's kind of it. They're kind of watching, and with Powell, he's always moving. You know, he is either setting a screen off ball to free someone up on the on the wing for a jumper. He's setting a screen. Uh, up top, up high, uh, so he can rim run and open up the lane or open up the wing or open up a, the three-point line for his shooters. You know, there's never a moment where Pal is just kind of hanging out. You know, he's always doing something. And I think that constant movement, that constant energy, that constant off-ball screening, on-ball screening, that wears down the defense. You know, defenses don't want to run as much as Pal wants to run on offense. And he doesn't give them breaks. And I think the Mavericks really need that, especially as KP is coming back and you need to get him as many good looks as possible. He'll get that if Powell is, you know, using his elite rim running to go down the lane. And, you know, Luca could use that as well uh, on his pick and rolls. And, you know, guys like Wright and secondary attackers, it just makes things a lot easier when you have that vertical spacing threat to suck in defenses. And it makes the Mavericks a lot harder to guard because right now when you look at the Mavericks – you know, if KP isn't really rolling to the rim, you know, the teams can kind of be like, okay, we just need to kind of stick to the perimeter. Let's stick to the three-point shooters, make sure they don't get any shots off, and then we'll try to do our best to contain Luka at the rim. Because otherwise, you know, hey, we're not going to get hurt inside the three-point line necessarily because you know the Mavericks want to shoot a ton of threes. And you know guys like Jackson and Finney Smith, you know, they're, they could be okay off-ball cutters, but that's not necessarily going to be something they're doing every play. 
So I think it makes the Mavericks a lot more predictable to guard without Powell. And uh, so I think that's why they really need him back as, as fast as possible, but also don't rush it because hamstrings can really nag if you, if you rush those. So they got to make sure they got to get him healthy. One more thing on one Powell, if you don't mind, Jeff, I, I really think that our fans kind of don't understand how the Mavericks offense is built to a certain degree. I saw a lot of, you know, thirsting for Clint Capella earlier in the summer and on offense, Capella is a really good rim roller, but if he gets the ball anywhere outside of about five feet, he's a deer in headlights. Powell drives me crazy with his three point shooting. But the fact that he's willing to shoot, the fact that he's willing to put the ball on the floor, that sort of, you know, uh, ability to have five out motion to to some degree is what can make the Mavericks offense so dangerous because they have these multifunctional bigs that are willing to do stuff. You know, you're never going to see Clint Capella put the ball on the floor and drive to the basket and make a dish. That is never happening. He's never taking a 17 foot jumper, let alone a three point jumper. So Powell. You know, while Clint Capella might in a vacuum be a a better player with what the Mavericks want from Dwight Powell, they're going to get out of him in a way that they wouldn't with a different player, if that makes any sense. And I think that's a very good point. And on his three point shooting, yes, Powell absolutely he he drives every Mavs fan crazy for sure. But I I mean I I believe that's under the directive of Rick Carlisle because he wants everyone to be able to shoot threes because that's what the Mavericks want to do, regardless of what their percentage was. I think they were either last or second to last in the league in shooting in uh, three-point shooting percentage last year. Uh, Rick wants everyone to be able to shoot the three-pointer, and that includes Powell. And we even saw Boban putting up a couple in the uh, in the preseason. Yeah, and that sort of thing is, is really what's going to at least make them, you know, uh, interesting to watch throughout the year because they seem to have, have really truly embraced the the analytic side of, of how – basketball you know uh uh is is played by some of the best teams um you know it's not quite on the rockets level where they're going to be shooting 50 percent of their shots from three but these sorts of things they, they just matter over the long haul because if if dallas doesn't have you know past luca and kp top tier talent they at least need to be maximizing the guys that they have and that is one thing i think that that rick carlisle doesn't ever get enough credit for is maximizing guys with you know kind of limited skill sets so the Mavericks do start with the Washington Wizards and the New Orleans Pelicans. And after that, uh, they host the Portland Trailblazers before going on the road against Denver. And I think that Denver game will be the first game that, that we potentially see Dwight Powell. I don't think he he plays in the first three games. He, if, if not that Denver game, he will play at home against the Lakers. And that's that's my prediction for the earliest we see Dwight Powell. So it'll be interesting then to kind of watch how they start this year because I, I I suppose then we'll probably see a different lineup for each of the games that he's not in. I know that that might be a little ridiculous, but I bet you know the not having Powell just opens them up to to experimenting to see what will happen because that depth, like Josh mentioned earlier, is going to matter over the long haul because guys just don't play eighty two games anymore. Yeah, absolutely, and obviously you know Carlisle is is a matchup driven guy, and he'll he'll want to experiment with that. Um, another topic I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on is who do you think the breakout player is going to be? Because I have a guy in particular in mind. I'm not sure if if it's a popular pick for this kind of thing, but uh, I wanted to see who you guys have, and then I'll give my thoughts on it. Kirk, you go first. Oh, God, who is who is their break? Oh, you know what? I'm just going to be ridiculous. I think it's Luka Doncic. I'm writing a piece right now, and yeah, he was Rookie of the Year. But I, I think if he plays how he played in the preseason – if he is the clear best Mavericks player, I think he's going to be 
a outlier MVP candidate. Now he's not going to win it, but he's going to be one of those guys to where I'm looking at his statistics and he very well could put up 25, seven and seven, something crazy like that. And if that's going to be the case, then the Mavericks are actually winning games. Then that's taking that step to elite status that, you know, a guy like ESPN's Kevin Pelton uh, says is, is going to be one of the reasons why they make the playoffs. And, and, Does that really count as a breakout candidate? I'm not sure, but I do feel like there's enough people within the, the, you know, NBA sphere that feel that what Luca did last year is kind of his ceiling. They're wrong, but I don't know what his ceiling is. And I didn't feel that way before the preseason. He just looks so good compared to how he did at virtually any point last year. And I loved watching him play basketball, but he was carrying a little bit too much weight. And then by the time they traded off half the team, he had already played 50 games and was worn down. So so I'm I'm really extraordinarily high on Luca right now. Uh, I'll, I'll count it. I'll allow it as as host of this, as of Mavs Moneyball Radio. I will deem your breakout player, Luka Doncic, credible. <laughs> what about you, Josh? <sighs> well, before the season, my, I wrote this as a bold prediction. I would have said DeLon Wright. Uh, one of my bold predictions was he would win most improved player. Oh, wow. uh, I don't know how that's looking right now. I know it's just preseason, but uh, if I got to stay on brand, I guess I'll go with Powell, uh, Dwight Powell, because I feel like I've been kind of on the the Dwight Powell is good train for, for a couple of years now before it got trendy. I felt like it was kind of me and Bobby Corolla of Mavs.com on an island just kind of proclaiming that, hey, he's pretty good. He's not as bad as he used to be. Uh, now he's actually a lead at this at this thing that's very important. Um, and I think, you know, now he will get a chance to use those skills and hope, you know, translate them to wins because I think there is a credible argument with these guys on the Mavs, these kind of bench guys or these fringe starters. You know, we all talk about how much we like, you know, we love Dorian Finney-Smith's defense. We love what Justin Jackson's doing. You know, we love Maxi Kleba. We love Dwight Powell. And, you know, we talk about all these players that we love and we love the little things that they do. And then it's like, hey, they haven't won more than 33 games in the last three years. Like, that's an argument that's a credible argument to make to be made like how good are these guys actually are because the team hasn't won any games and I know that a lot of that is due to the lack of top-end talent but at a certain point you know they got to just start winning games and you know now they have the top-end talent with Luca and KP and I think that's going to really help Dwight kind of shine and maybe not exceed what he's been doing the last couple of years but do what he's been doing the last couple of years and have that actually translate into wins meaningful moments and kind of get the recognition of, hey, this is a starter quality NBA player on a winning team. And I think, you know, for a long time, you know, hey, three, four years ago, we would not have said that about Dwight Powell. So that's, a, you know, it's a big, big jump for him. So, you know, it might not be necessarily a leap in terms of what he's been doing the last couple of years, but in terms of production, in terms of his counting stats, maybe going up a little bit now that he's going to be a starter, presumably when he comes back. And the Mavericks just hopefully, you know, taking a, a little bit of a leap and winning some more games. Uh, I think, you know, Powell's going to finally kind of get a little bit more recognition, uh, which is, you know, which, hey, it's 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 uh, credibly questionable why he hasn't yet. The Mavericks need to start winning some games before we can really, you know, declare a lot of these guys as good as we think they are. So uh, but I think that happens for Powell. So this is kind of how I thought this would go. I thought we would have three different players just because there's so many guys to choose from. Um, the guy who I think is going to be the the breakout player for the Mavs this year is I think it's Justin Jackson, um, especially from what I saw at the end of the season last year. He was 
He was I mean, when the team was really worn down. He got a lot of minutes. He started a lot of games, and he looked pretty efficient on offense. And then in the preseason, I think I saw I just saw a little bit more of what he was doing, but on a higher level. It seems like he's going to be a really efficient scorer for this team. He's going to be able to shoot the three at a pretty efficient clip and get in the lane, shoot that floater that you were talking about. Um, so I think it's going to be Justin Jackson, and I'm pretty sure he'll do it in a bench role. Uh, like we said earlier, it's it's unlikely he gets starts. Maybe on a particular night where the matchup dictates it. Um, but I really think Jackson's going to have a good year. And that's not to say that, um, you know, I've heard from some people, like especially my dad, he thinks that Jalen Brunson has had the best offseason of anybody on the Mavs and thinks that he's the most improved player on the team to this point in time. And so, I mean, there's so many players to choose from, but I think if they can get consistent scoring out of Jackson, that would be a really good catalyst for this offense that has been able to struggle with efficiency. I really, I really like the Jackson pick. Just because if there is a, you know, we look at his career from his, his time as a high school player to his time at UNC to his time with the Kings, he has always been a bundle of potential with mediocre results. And I know that that may drive some people crazy who are longtime fans of his. Um, but I, I, this is the right situation for him. I think above all else, he, he has looked good in preseason. He's he's clearly a multi-tool player. I mean, the guy is big. He's 6'9". He's got a nice shooting touch. He's put on some weight, which is really interesting. So I think that the case is there for him. And I think he kind of has the clearest path to that to that breakout uh, a star of, of like the three, you know, guys that we mentioned here. I, I think his is, is, is just it's a pretty straightforward case. I'm going to be really interested to see what he can do, though, because he – it's the Kings fans were just done with him. I I can't emphasize that enough. They were so happy to see him leave. And that sort of thing worries me a little bit because, you know, Rick Carlisle is a hard guy to play for and they're looking to win games this year. So let's say he has one bad game, two bad games. Does he bounce back or does he head into a little bit of a hole? These are, there's, there's just a lot of interesting narrative related things to, to the guys that are on the team this year, because a guy like Jackson, this is his, this is his, his potential meal ticket. If he plays well, then he's going to stick with the league for a while. If he doesn't play well this year, then he's, he's going to be an end of bench guy. And then he might be out of the league in three or four more years. Yeah, like like I said, I think that you know there there are so many players to really choose from, so I don't think you could really go wrong with an answer. Um, but this is a preseason quote unquote prediction pod, and the biggest prediction of all is what you think the Mavs' record is going to be, and what you think they're going to finish in the or what seed you think they're going to finish in the Western Conference. Uh, so I'll start here. I have the Mavs going forty two and forty and missing the playoffs. I think they'll end up tenth in the West, and I think it's just as too steep of a hill to climb. I think last year you needed 47 or 46 or 47 wins uh, to get into the playoffs. And they're obviously going to be a much improved team and a 42 win season would be a nine win improvement, which would be a vast improvement from last season. But I think the, uh, the Western conference is ultimately going to prove too deep for them. And it's just, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a tough hill to climb for them to get back into the postseason this year. Josh, what do you think? Because I'm still thinking about this one and might be for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I before the preseason started, I was at 40 wins, so 40 and 42. There's definitely been some some things to see in this preseason that could nudge me, you know, maybe a little bit more positively. 
even though, you know, you know, I know Jeff with 42 wins at me and 40. I don't think that's being negative at all. You know, this team won 33 games last year. And if we're being honest, it wasn't they didn't finish the the season with a 33 win roster. You know, they picked up a lot of those wins before they traded West, before they traded DeAndre, before they traded Harrison Barnes. So in actuality, they need to make an even bigger leap than maybe we're, we're, we're expecting, you know, it's not just going from 33 wins to, to, to 45, 46, 47. It might be going from like 28 wins, you know, maybe even a little lower with the, the roster that they had to finish the season. So they really had to do some work, uh, to, to make a, to make a move. And, you know, Hey, Chris stops is a lot of that work. Uh, but I'm going to stick at 40 wins, probably 10th seed in the West. And I really don't think it's a knock against the Mavs. I think they're going to have a really fun, exciting season. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I think they're going to get some really great wins against some really good teams. And I think they're going to show some moments and I think Luke is going to take the leap and I think Chris stops is going to be good. But man, the West is just too damn hard. I, I'm just looking at all the teams and I'm just not sure who they're going to jump. Uh, especially, you know, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs and now they've got Anthony Davis and, you know, the Clippers were an eighth seed and now they've got Kawhi and Paul George and, you know, the Rockets are still there. Denver's still there. Utah's really good. It, it's just a, it's just crazy. I just don't see it. Um and maybe, you know, there's an injury or something that, uh, you know, we can't really foresee, you know, we can't foresee if, if Nikola Jokic hurts his knee or, or LeBron James pulls another hammy again, like we can't really predict that. But so that's why I'm kind of sticking a little safe uh, with 40 wins, but I think I want everyone to make clear. Cause I know I kind of get dubbed as the resident hater, you know, on the Mavs. Uh, and I do kind of play that up on Twitter, but. I think this team is good and I like this team and I think 40 wins is a huge step in the right direction. And I think they could build off those 40 wins. They've got their draft pick in 2020. They can, they've got some trade flexibility with a lot of the contracts they have to match salaries and make some deals. They've got the trade exception. I think they're in a good spot. They're not maybe in the spot I wanted them to be after this summer ended. Uh, you know, we can debate that till the cows come home, but, uh, you know, they're, they've still got a lot of options for improvement after this season, getting 40 wins, feeling good about themselves, uh, getting on the right track. I, I think that's a big win. And I think that, that no Mavs fans should feel necessarily like hugely disappointed by that. If that's what happens. And I think they can only go up from here. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And like you said, I don't think if, if they win, if you're predicting 40 to 44 wins or whatever it is, and they miss the playoffs, I, I don't think that's a knock on the team. I just think that's an, that's an indication of how ridiculously hard the Western Conference is. And if they look, if they make a seven win improvement in their 40 and 42, that's a that's a step in the right direction for the Mavericks. I just I don't want fans to get discouraged and think that if they miss the playoffs, that this season is a complete failure. Um, maybe to the players it is. But in, to me and I, I think to to people that are that follow the team closely, I don't think that I don't I don't think that missing the playoffs uh, would be the end of the world. No, my my prediction is going to be is nest right in between the two of you. I think I'm splitting the difference at, at about 500 to 41 apiece. There just haven't been that many teams in NBA history to make double digit win improvements year in year out. It just doesn't happen that often. Uh, I, I don't think it's it's indicative of the talent of the team. The reason we all really want to see them make the playoffs is just so that we can have a better measuring stick for where the Mavericks need to go from there. I want to see Luca and KP in a seven game series. And I think we all do. 
And then that that will really, you know, set the course for where the Mavericks go from there. Because I think I think all three of us were a little disappointed in their in their offseason. And and you know, the Mavericks would fight that notion tooth and nail, but that's that's just the reality. They they didn't do what we thought they would based on their talk. Now, in order to get to the postseason, if they if they were to happen to get there, if they were to happen to go something like 45 and what's that, the, the 41, I can't do math right now. Um, <laughs> if 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 they were to, you know, actually make the playoffs, because th- then I think we'd all be really excited. I do think there's a path for them. Uh, you know, I'm looking at last year's playoffs and the and the the. The Warriors, you know, entered the playoffs with number one seed at 57 wins. I don't think we're going to see a single team in the West post more than 55 wins. I think it's too much parity in that top four, top five, you know, uh, 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 group of teams, which means that the Mavericks, you know, could steal some wins here and there. It goes back to what Coop said in the beginning. There's how they how they start the year is going to be really interesting. Because if they're heading closer to the trade deadline and looking like a team that could could you know potentially make the playoffs then i could see them making uh you know a, a trade you know trying to improve their roster somehow lord knows they have these interesting assets that they can move from um so that that's just kind of where i am right now i think we all feel really good about them it's just it's more of a uh how, how does the rest of the west look and that's what's so hard to predict right now i don't want to be a pessimist but i also don't want to go telling everybody that they're going to win 45, 46 games because we haven't seen those kind of jumps throughout the history of the league. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, I think both of you have really good points. We're, we're all pretty similar here between 40 and 42 wins and uh, ultimately missing the playoffs. And I just think that's where the team is at right now. You know, obviously if they play above their means and make it into the playoffs, that'd be great, but I just don't see it. Um, so that's pretty much it. That's all I had. Do you guys have any other super bold predictions you want to talk about? Uh, Kirk, maybe maybe some stuff coming up on the site that you're excited about. Ooh, so I'm kind of losing my mind at the moment, and I was so excited after that preseason game. I'm writing a column on on you know some some extreme overreactions to to preseason. I know Josh has a couple of things going, uh, which I'll let him talking about. We have uh, another one of our writers, Sam, who is writing about you know which. Uh, I, I, I want to say it's like, you know, a number of players to watch and why we got a lot of good content coming up, even though the season starts Wednesday, Josh, what do you have writing? Well, I want to write about uh, the, the offense and the lineup, uh, the starting lineup for this season. Um, just watching that Brunson starting lineup against the Clippers uh, that last preseason game really kind of stealed my resolve uh, from a column I wrote before the off season about how the Mavericks really need to go all offense because I looked at the kind of the trends of what top 10 offenses and what top 10 defenses leads to in terms of making the playoffs and winning a playoff series. So I think I'm going to make the case for that. And then I also kind of want to take a look at before the real game start, if we can get anything from the preseason, a lot has been made about the Mavericks kind of four point line and the way that they're taping up the practice court to, to help emphasize spacing and, and get guys standing even farther behind the three point line than normal uh, to not only improve spacing on three point uh, shots, but also just improve spacing in general. And I kind of want to take a look at some of the go back, watch some of the preseason games, some of their sets and, and see if that's making an impact and, and maybe make a case for why that, that spacing matters beyond just the fact that, hey, you know, standing two feet behind the line gets you some cleaner three-point looks than standing your toes right on the line when defenders are closing out at you. I think there's even more to it than that, and I kind of want to explore that a little bit. So that's what I'll be working on this week. 
All right, guys. Well, go check all that stuff out on MavsMoneyBall.com, your SB Nation Maverick site. I've been your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein. This is Mavs Moneyball Radio. Uh, you can find us on any podcast platform you find your podcast on. Uh, I'm at Jeff underscore Coop 27. Uh, throw your y'all throw your Twitter handles out there for the world. Kirk serious face for some reason. <laughs> uh, Bowman 55. All right. Go follow those guys. Go follow at Mavs Moneyball on Twitter. And we'll be back ne- next week with another episode.